Welcome back to the Seven Figure Music School podcast, where we share solutions to common problems that music school owners face every week. I'm Daniel. This is Nate. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how to avoid the pain of losing students you love. It's a bold promise, I know, but there are concrete actions that you can take to greatly increase the chances that a student will stay in your studio for the long term. And I want to say from the beginning that, no, this is not another episode about retention. Retention is more of a defensive position. It's more of a defensive way of thinking about it. No, we're going to get offensive this episode, Uh, but maybe a better way to say it would be we're going to be proactive. Uh, We're going to talk about proactive strategies that you can use, and specifically one proactive strategy that has been asked about by a listener. But speaking of proactivity, while you're at it, wherever you're watching or listening to this, leave a review, drop a like on the video, maybe share it with a friend. We really appreciate it. So Nate, let's talk about a proactive strategy for keeping students in your studio for the long term. And it has to do with something that you have talked about quite a bit over the last 65 plus episodes. Mm. And I want to ask you a bunch of questions about it today. Um, it's something that I have curiosity about. It's the seven to 10 year journey that mm. students take who are enrolled at Brooklyn Music Factory. There's this concept mm. that you've often mentioned in the podcast of the fact that you lay out a vision for what a student will do when they're under the care of your teachers and under the care of your team. So let's just start by asking a really simple question. What is the seven to 10 year journey? You've mentioned it. It's been hidden in shadow. What is it? Yeah, basically it's, it's the roadmap we have for all of our students that enter BMF um, starting as young as age four in an exploration band and then ending in our teen program. Um, you know, 14 or, you know, 10 years later. And really it's just saying, hey, we welcome your child at this young age into our songwriting program and we have a roadmap for her that will take her all the way through every stage of growth and become a super confident, creative, collaborative songwriter Hmm. over seven to 10 years. And so that's it. That's the journey. We just, we state it out loud. We say we have a plan and, um, Hopefully we follow through on it. Interesting. Let me ask like some simple questions here. Is it actually written out somewhere? Is it actually a document that it, that exists somewhere mm-hmm. inside Brooklyn Music Factory? That's a, the, okay. So that's a great question, and I and I'm sort of humbled to say like I don't think we've actually written out step by step, stage by stage. We talk about it all the time, mm. and within each part stage of the program, we talk about how a student, for example, moves through season one and season two of mini keys and then into the second year of mini keys and then when they get handed off into a jam band 101 program. Um, so no, huh. though we absolutely do. Wait, hold on. Wait, we do have an, a very clear infographic around for parents. It's meant for, actually it's meant for both teachers and parents where we show every season of the songwrite, 12 season songwriting journey songwriters journey and say hey here's what your student we're gonna your child or if you're the teacher your student will do in season one and here's how where they'll be by season 12 well i'll make the observation you know this is (laughs) i'm learning along with the listeners it does sound like in a way that is written out because you actually have a curriculum for each of those programs so it's possible maybe i'm wrong but maybe it's distributed over all those different curriculums that that you use and there is a 
it is not haphazard. It, it, you haven't collected curriculum from mm. all over the place. You've actually created it. So it sounds like the journey is mapped out within the curriculum of each program that the children go through. Well, you know, one thing we did um, create, uh, as as we as all our listeners know, one of the one of the most challenging aspects of our job is being really simple and clear with our parents as to what's happening when they begin, and then how the growth. Uh, you know the growth of their of their of their child along the way. So we did once create, um, and we have this sort of in big bold on banners, you know, on the website, and then also um, we're, we'll literally do graphics within the school. That's just a like it's almost like from logo to logo, like a student starts in mini keys, and we show a student walking through a path. And, and in our case, we do a graphic of them walking through the streets of Brooklyn and oh, going cool. from mini keys to jam band into the songwriting party, ending up in the advanced band program and writing and recording a full record when they're teenagers, you know? So we do have a version of a graphic. That's the closest we've gotten to mapping it all clearly out. Okay. Let's, uh, let's dig a little deeper here. And I'm going to ask a question, but then I want to explain the question a little bit. I want to. I want to know why this is so important. Does Brooklyn Music Factory have the seven to ten year journey because it's cool? Because you know you have some great graphic designers on staff, and they really wanted to make right. a cool infographic. I mean, obviously that's ridiculous. We but, love it, right? But but specifically as we get into it, you know, Brooklyn Music Factory is a collaborative. Uh, is, it's a school that's interested in collaborative learning. You have rock band, you know, that sort of thing. Well, other people who are listening to this podcast right now don't necessarily run that curriculum. So really what I'm asking here, why do you do this? I'm also asking for the benefit of everyone listening or watching if you're on YouTube, right. how can they use this? How can they use the, the concept, the, the vision behind the seven tier to 10 year journey to create something really cool or unique in their school? So maybe we can get to that by unpacking why you chose to do this, Nate. Yeah. I think, I think first and foremost, it's really important what you just um, stated clearly there. Uh, yeah, a lot of our, most of our listeners are probably not running songwriting programs yeah. for kids starting at age four. And we're a, you know, we're a game-based program. It's all, yep. you know, big music games anchors every stage of their growth until they're teenagers and they no longer want to talk about playing big music games because they're too hip for that. Mm -hmm. um, but um, the, the roadmap matters for a host of reasons. But I think you have to start by looking actually at a very like um, sort of heart-centered emotional space, which is to say that you as an educator understand that growth with your students takes time, takes patience, and that you all you have to do is remember that student that you lost right when you thought they were that a really important inflection point in their growth to know why it matters to have a clear roadmap and plan for um, your students at your school mm -hmm. because it just hurts when you've had a student say for four years or five years, you know what I'm talking about, Daniel? I'm sure you have stories like this where you're just like, man, this is like, I, this relationship's incredible. You see so much potential in that student. Yeah. And then the parent pulls the student. Yeah. It's like, sorry, they're too busy doing X, Y, or Z, or something's come up. And it's it's like it's crushing, right? So that's the that's the actually the foundational 
um, reason for for beginning to develop a clear roadmap. Um, there's a whole bunch of other reasons, um, not the least of which is that it's really beneficial to your business to know that you're not constantly trying to find new customers, but instead you're actually nurturing the ones you have and you have them imagine knowing that you'd have a client for seven to 10 years. That's a really like, (laughs) it's a great feeling to have as a small business owner to know that you have this foundational, um, uh, core group of families that are going to be there with you for the full journey. I might be asking this question out of order. This could be better for later, but, uh, do you really think that having that vision and if i know you communicating it consistently yeah do you really feel that it keeps students in the program for longer i know i'm putting you on the spot here but i'm curious so um i think that it is essential as a school owner starting with the founder that you can very clearly and concisely describe what the experience will be for a student over their entire journey Mm. at your school for a handful of reasons. Oh, yeah. Number one, and first and foremost, your teachers have to hear you saying it over and over and over and over. Because your teachers, they don't necessarily yet have faith that that's even the uh, possibility, depending on their experience level as teachers, right? Mm. Number two, your parents oftentimes just come to you because they're signing up. They think they're signing up for a piano lesson. They think they're signing up for a voice lesson or a guitar lesson. When in your mind, they're signing up for a, like a transformative experience over the next 10 years at your program. But, but par- so parents need to very clearly understand what you mean by you are going to help transform their child from, you know, into, from, from, you know, and move them from point A to point Z, you know, and and you have a plan o- over every step of the way. Um, and then the third and final reason why it's so important, and then I'm going to get to answer your question, is that um, you know retention, low attrition, and retention is proof of concept. And you're constantly mm. refining your 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 how. So let's say in in BMF's case. You know, we're a game-based collaborative songwriting program. So that sounds awesome, and I can say it now concisely, and, but, and, it, and it leads to parents asking for more information. But we're still always refining our curriculum and how we do it. And it's really hard to do that if, you, if you're a revolving door of students. Mm. Right? Yeah. So that's, that's the third and final thing. So what I'll say is that, um, does it work? I'd say it works with those with um, the community of teachers that have been at the school the longest, are are nurtured in the culture, understand it, and believe in the journey. So yeah, like I mean, you know, as we've discussed in many episodes, like I have whatever I have one advanced band and a dozen students. Are they going to be here for seven to ten years? Of course they are. You know. Um, Ben students, of course they are. He's got 30 or 40 students. They're going to be there for the journey. We have a handful of other teachers that have been around for three, four, five, six years. Uh, yes. Hmm. The, all the families believe in the journey now. They literally will talk, will send us videos and photos of, of their child like three years ago at a songwriting party or at a gig and what they're doing now. And they'll talk, right? I mean, right now we're recording this in early March. This will come out 
what, April-ish or May. But the point is, is that right now we're three months away from our next songwriting party and the parents are already talking about the next songwriting party, right? They're, it's just like they might, your parents that are invested in your program are going to talk about the next recital, the next show, the next gig. That's because they're invested in your journey, in your roadmap for their child. So um, it does work. And but it would be it would be totally not transparent to say it works across the board. Like right. every one of the ex, you know hundreds of families that enroll are going to stay for seven to ten years. That's not that's not actually what happens. Um, but it's important to know that those families that are working that have been with uh, um, and maybe we should come back to this. But I'm going to make I'm going to I'm going to propose an idea here, Daniel, which is that. If you consider your enrollment or your families sort of like almost like a pyramid as they move through the journey, I will say families that make it through, they go through our mini keys into our jam band and then add a private lesson and go into the songwriting party by year three, those families are almost definitely making it seven to 10 years. Mm. So they sort of have to go make it through a couple few years and then they develop faith and understanding in what that musician's journey is like. So maybe I'll pause there. Well, what I'll say is that what, what I love most going back five minutes was you, ha- you gave three reasons. The first one, mm. I want to hi- uh, just talk about a little bit more. And that's the enculturation of both the families and the teachers. This is just a good thing to do, irrespective of what your plan is for the school irrespective of your profit margins, irrespective of all the technical things, you should just do that. You should have that plan. As I often like to say, the thing that that we talk about a lot of different pod- topics on this podcast, but the thing that's most important at the core is that core experience, that core product that you're delivering to families. And to be really intentional about that and to be really intentional about that journey, no matter what it is, no matter, you know, for each school, it's going to be different. But if you're intentional about that, you're just doing the right thing. And a lot of times when you do the right thing, you know, you, you reap what you sow. And, and I think you'll end up seeing a result over time as you stay focused on that product piece and delivering that vision to people. And a lot of times the starting point of that is just sitting down and really mapping out. Maybe we'll go there in a minute, but just thought I would bring that up because yeah. I think that it's just the right thing to do. Anything else, Nate? Well, I was going to, it reminded me of a book that I want to recommend hmm. because I, because I think, um, yeah, it doesn't matter right now if you're, and we're going to talk about how to create your own, Roadmap, like how do you, how can you begin to envision your own musician's journey at at, at your school? But um, when you, regardless of whether you have that map, what you're, what I hear you saying, Daniel, is like be sure that you're you are just make you're sharing consistently, probably more than you think is you're comfortable with. Yeah. Um, that's important. What the purpose is, right? Yeah. And you're and you're doing it with teachers, just like we're going to do at our all, you know, at our all faculty meeting tomorrow morning. I will I will pound this idea with them, and a lot of these teachers have heard it for years and years and years. But second, you're doing it with the parents, and in order to do that, you have to come up with at least a draft one of a concise version of it. 
like you heard me say it. It's like we are a game-based collaborative program that is focused on um, creating confident songwriters. Right, that are going to make music with it. It's like I just we've we have had so many revisions of that. Would this be a good time to go to talking about how to build that roadmap, or was there something else you wanted to bring up before we go there? No, I think it's cool to go to the how. Um, I just want to um, emphasize before we get into the weeds of how one might go about this is that um, this isn't an over analytical process, right? This starts with the founder and, you know, their purpose for even wanting to start a school in the first place. And it usually goes way back. In my case, it dated way back long before I ever started Brooklyn Music Factory uh, with my partner. And it was just like, what was my own journey as a musician? And I remember just being really spending a lot of time just kind of considering it, not analyzing and trying to get it right, but just being like, dude, why do you still love to play music? And so I was asking myself these questions and they not only become the foundation of your curriculum, but they really become the foundation of this journey. And for me, it was just like, okay, every step of the road or on that, every stage of that journey needs to involve collaborative learning. There's got to be collaboration. Secondly, it's got to be fun. For me, I'm just like, I'm not like a serious gamer like you, Daniel, but I love games. And I like just making sure that it's always like a good time all the time in the classroom. So it's like, okay, make sure that every stage of the journey has a measurable, some fun in it that where we can measure progress. Um, Right? So that's the only thing I was going to say before we get into the how you design your own. I mean, I guess I'm go- already going there, but just emphasizing that this is a lot of self-reflection is what we're going to talk about here. Running a music school can be a challenge. You can only see so many students per week, and it feels like you're trading time for dollars. Margins are small, and you're always looking for qualified teaching staff. Wouldn't it be great if there was a way to see more students in less time while maintaining high educational standards for your school? Well, now you can with Piano Express from grouplessons.com. Piano Express is a new way to teach group piano, one that seamlessly combines a new innovative group method, technology, and industry-leading teacher training to make it easier and more profitable than ever to start group lessons in your studio. Piano Express allows you to see 12 students per hour per teacher and over a decade of testing has shown that the gamified curriculum significantly increases student practice times and studio retention. To help you get started, the Piano Express method has a training course for you and your team. It's included when you use the system in your studio. Most schools can get their first class up and running in just a few weeks. So visit grouplessons.com to sign up for a free demo or use our calculator to see how much money your school can save each month by using Piano Express. That's great. Well, if we're going to talk about the how, I think there's two ways to to design this journey. I think there's a proactive way and there's an observational way. And maybe, Mm. Nate, I'll start with the proactive and then maybe we can jump over to you for the observational. How's that sound? Love it. Yeah, sounds awesome. So, proactively, 
if you have a really strong vision for what you want to do with students, I think it's actually possible to sit down and plan out to the best of your ability, make your best guess as to the milestones you want those students to hit when you want them to hit, Mm. hit those milestones, what the program looks like, and to even have a vision for what a student would be doing at year five. I know that early on in my career, I didn't know. I was guessing. I was experimenting with a lot of things. And I think that lack of vision as to where I was taking them, I don't think it. I know that it impacted how I taught those kids early on. Mm. And as I had kids matriculate through and get to those higher levels and I was experimenting, I began to develop a strong sense of what I wanted those students to be able to do. And then it changed how I began teaching the kids at the beginning. I'll mm. make an additional bonus tip here that, that if you if you plan those milestones in advance, this is something I teach in my marketing training, you can actually use that really strong vision as a marketing piece in your school. Yeah. And Nate, you've already you've already said that so far. This is something you talk about with parents from the very, very beginning. In fact, you did it in a more robust way than I ever did because you had an infographic made and 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 you had these these resources that you could give to parents about what that journey looked like. So I think that's the proactive way. And Nate, I'm going to kick it over to you for the observational way. And I would say that more than likely, if you're sitting here and thinking like, oh man, I do want, I do want students to stay a long time. I do want these benefits in retention and, and, and having a satisfying career, but man, I just don't have a strong vision. I don't really know the journey I want students to go on. I think what Nate's about to say is probably the pathway you want to take. So Nate, let's talk about that observational one. Yeah. So um, there's two pieces to, I mean, there's sort of like path A and path B, right? So path A is that you've come into this and actually you're already adopting a program or a curriculum that has an amazing roadmap. You've just never actually studied it and said, I want to now um, put it into concise messaging for the teachers and the parents. So like we have someone in our mastermind who it l- absolutely loves the RCM method. He's a firm believer. And he's he's like always working on getting better and better at teaching it. And and that's a the Royal Conservatory of Music has this like brilliant version of every stage of growth. You know, Suzuki does the same thing. RCM is trying to do add on like a sight reading component they just added. They just added an, an ear training. Well, they've had a ear training for a while, um, but they're always trying to link like how the stages of the journey um, to the repertoire that you're playing as well in other facets, right? So if you've already got, a, if, you, if there's a curriculum that you're already using or licensing, I mean, that's amazing. I mean, like, for example, you know, Daniel, you you talk oftentimes about the group Piano and Piano Express, and that's a program where it's like there's a very clear pathway forward, right? Um, so that's one option. And, and, and what I would say on that option is that, like, do not discount that. Just understand that you need to actually sit down, study, and know what those milestones are and be able to... Uh, communicate that in an inspired way, right? It's not inspiring to a parent to say that the student has passed another book, mm. yeah. right? I mean, yes, every parent's like, great. They'll be excited. Kids, yeah, they're exciting yeah. to get past. I remember, I remember with Josie and Pearl, my daughters, like when, they, when you first 
learn to read, everything is like you're on level AA. Now you're on level BB, and then you get to level A, then you get to level A plus. Like they're constantly just like showing you levels of books because parents have no way of gauging what the literacy of their child is really because they're not educators. Just like in music, you're on book 1A, now you're on book 1B. But that's not really enough, right? Eventually you have to be like, and let me show you how they've grown and let me show you what's changing. Yeah, Daniel, thoughts on that? When you can imbue the individual achievement with an a, with a greater sense of meaning and purpose when you highlight it in terms of the whole, the entire journey. Yes. It feels like that's what you're saying to me. Yeah. Okay, so I want to get to another way. You've got a vision, but it's a murky vision. You're like, you're like, I can sort of see what I want my students to do at, at our school, but it's not that crystal clear. Okay. Um, there's a few steps that I would take in that regard. The first one is the one I've already talked about, which was self-reflection. Just ask yourself why you're still doing it. Why are you still finding joy making music? What were your stages? Especially if you can go back to remembering um, you know, the different teachers you had, the different stages of growth you had as a musician, um, you know, even in elementary school or middle school or high school. It's really important to remember um, what you were feeling and what was happening there um, and how you measured any sense of accomplishment. Okay, so spend some time with that, but then get a round table of your teachers and begin to ask these questions like, okay, guys, let's talk about a student. Like we have this as a core value at BMF, discover everyone's story, and we'll, we'll, this will definitely happen tomorrow at our, all, at our all faculty meeting. We will pick like six or seven students and talk about their story, what, what's happening in their growth and their journey right now. And so you gather your teachers together and you say, guys, let's all pick one student that you think is really thriving that's been with us for, say, three to five years. Let's talk about why. Like, what's happening with them? That and, and why are they still here? Literally, just ask the question, like, why do you think you're, why are these still students still with us? There's a really important little detail that I put in there. Still with us. Not still with you. Mm. Because you're not talking about a teacher, a one-to-one relationship. You're talking a one-to-school or to community relationship. And of course, the teacher is essential. Because eventually that teacher will hand off that student to someone else in a different program. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. We are four and fives. They're, they could be with Michelle in a mini keys, but there's Michelle's not teaching them in private lessons. Yeah. She's not even teaching them in jam band. She's handing them off when they get to six. So, yeah, really important point there, Daniel. Yeah, that you're, if, if we're doing the journey well, we are handing our students off. It, at different stages of growth to um, teachers that are actually really well suited for that stage. Yeah. The other observation I'm going to make is that if, if you are designing this intentionally, it's also possible to design the entire system in such a way that you, you account for other challenges that a, your average school will encounter. So by designing Mm. your program in this way, I'm also seeing the seeds of great teacher retention. I'm seeing the seeds of higher job satisfaction for teachers. 
So I imagine if you, with you coming up with the journey and I, you know, we might explore this in a future episode, but I imagine in coming up with the journey, you didn't necessarily have all these ideas at the beginning. If it's Mm -mm. kind of how there's, there's two curriculums that I've been instrumental in or fully created in my career. These things don't all hit at once. You build version one and then mm-hmm. you you have a new level of quality. And from there you see new opportunity. And then you build version two and you build version three. And I and I would just say that I'm I'm hearing I'm hearing something that you know, as I talk to people who listen to this podcast or or specifically talk about Brooklyn Music Factory or the program that I run. People will often say things, they'll talk about it in such a way that it kind of feels like, oh, that's far off. I can never Mm. do that. But what I would say is that all of us start at version one. And when you have that long-term vision for both the student and the school, you can begin to solve a lot of problems as you design for that. And if you don't have that long-term version, you know, you can contact Nate and say, well, hey, let's just use your mini keys program because that's something that, that a school can yeah. use. Um, yeah, yeah. Schools and, are using it. <laughs> totally. Schools are using it right now. And, and you know, maybe if you don't want to be the one that that has to design that from the ground up, it's easier just to go to some to go to someone who has done that and say, hey, I like your vision. There's nothing wrong with that. I like your vision. Let me adopt that. And then you can start building that journey for your school. Yeah. And I would say, Daniel, that's the majority of schools, right? Mm. The majority of schools are adopting great curriculums that already exist that have been proven. And you still have the challenge of figuring out how to concisely communicate um, how that curriculum transforms the kids. Um, You can, Mm. you know, there will be language that comes along, for example, with mini keys, jam band curriculum, et cetera. But, But the point is, is that it's still on you to become a consistent, concise communicator and be committed to this journey, right, with students. When you're talking to teachers and you're asking for why these students are still with us, you're looking for these common um, threads. You're looking for Mm. trends within students across multiple teachers under one roof, your school. And you're trying to just begin to zero in on the things that actually truly matter from teacher to teacher to teacher to teacher within your community, right? You're, you're not looking for um, one teacher who does this, another teacher who does something radically different, and a third teacher who does something totally different. Instead, you're looking for amongst those three teachers, well, what is that, um, what is that method or um, what's that underlying purpose or value that's there amongst all three uh, when they tell stories about that student that's been around for three to five years. Hmm. And then, of course, you're asking yourself the same question, because likely you might be teaching if you're listening to this, and you're saying, huh, well, my students have been around for a long time. I wonder I wonder why they're still with me. Be very careful that this doesn't become like, in my case, like it's the Nate show. Hmm. It's because Nate's so fun to get along with. He's so great. That's why they're still with me. No, no, no. You got to go way deeper. You got to be like, okay, well, what is it about how um, I and our other teachers relate to our students that makes them want to keep coming back? What are some of the choices we're making in the classroom consistently 
Um, you know, so, so that's, you gotta, you kind of gotta ask the whys. Well, why? Well, why Nate? Why do they, why do they find you so appealing? Well, because of this, but why because of that? Well, I don't know, because like, I'm funny. Well, like, how are you funny? You know, in that kind of thing. So you, you got to kind of dig deeper. And then from there, you start putting the pieces together. And this is your job as the founder. It's not the round table of the, all of the teacher's job. It's your job to take all those notes and all those, that conversation and say, okay, here's what I think we do really well. And here's what I think we can promise our families. Um, and that's, we're going to start with, as you said, Daniel, this is going to be draft one of the promise. This is what we can expect your student to do in the first three years, in the second three years, and the third three years. Just break it up into three-year chunks. And it's not only what they'll do from an instrument standpoint, but it's um, what their engagement will feel like, how that will change, how will their practicing at home evolve, how will your relationship, mom, with your child and asking them to practice or not asking them to practice, how can you expect that to evolve? What type of um, uh, gigs, recitals, shows are they going to be playing in the first three years versus the second versus the third? And then finally, and most importantly, how can you expect to see your child change in non-musical ways? That's what parents really need you to talk about. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please, share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.